Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. A young professional returns home from a weekend getaway. She attends work like normal and nothing is out of the ordinary. When she heads home at the end of the day, she speaks to several of her loved ones and she ends the night with a call to her boyfriend, which would later be the last known contact anyone would have with her. What happened? Where did she go? What happened to the investigation? And where is it now? Tonight, we give Jennifer Kessie the last word. Hello, hello to all of you out there in the world, wherever you are, whatever you may be doing. Thanks for being here and thanks for listening. I'm Shannon Labrie and I'm with Megan and this is Human Trafficking True Crime presented by Last Word, the one and only podcast telling the truth about human trafficking. We aim to give the victims and survivors the last word. If you like what you hear and you want to help support the show, you can do so through a few ways. First, you can rate and review on any of the platform that you're listening to now, or you can follow us on our social channels. We're on Facebook. We are on Instagram. Just go ahead and give us that follow and help spread the word. Hey, Megan. Welcome back. (laughs) Well, first... And foremost, I just want to say um, shout out to my favorite Dutchman, who I know is now listening. (laughs) Um, Megan knows all about you. And so we just want to say thanks to all of you guys that are listening. I've noticed um, on our little analytical thing, like we have a lot of listeners outside of the United States, which is really freaking awesome. I don't know why that like (laughs) makes me so excited. Um, We do have a large presence in Canada and Australia. Wow. Um, And then from there, it kind of drops down. But I I just think that's pretty awesome. So shout out to all of you listening. Um, So have you heard of Jennifer Kessie? Uh, I have not. No. Okay. Besides the the video clip I sent you to yes. watch. <laughs> yes. Besides the and you have no, video no information clip. behind that. No at all. context clues. Yeah. I'm like, watch this video. Don't say anything. We'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> so Jennifer Kessie was born on May 20th, 1981 in New Jersey to Drew and Joyce Kessie. She was their firstborn child and later would have they'd welcome her younger brother um into the mix logan how far apart are they a couple years okay um yeah so they're living in new jersey they have jennifer and then they have um you know drew they are i'm sorry logan into the family and When the children were little, the family um, left New Jersey and went to Florida where the Cassie family would remain. Um, I believe that they are still there to this day. So Jennifer went to Vivian 
Gaither, if I'm saying that correctly, uh, high school in Tampa. And she would later attend the University of Central Florida in Orlando, where she actually became involved in the Greek life. She was an Alpha Delta Pi. Oh, 80 Pi. Were you in a sorority? I was, yeah. For a brief, brief moment. A hot moment. A hot moment. Wasn't wasn't your thing? No, 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 no. Yeah, nice. Door stacks really got me, and then I was out of there. When I saw the cost for that stuff, I'm like, (laughs) no, I'm good. Well, it does go on your credit, so you build credit while you're paying them. Oh, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Still not... Not for me. Anyways, I'm still trying to pay off my college. (laughs) Me too. They keep pushing it back though, so. I know, but (laughs) still going to be there. Anyways, um, so Jennifer dated kind of casually while, you know, in high school and, and college. And she did have a boyfriend at one point, um, while she was in college and, he actually was the friend of her brother and we will get into all of that later. Um, but they, they broke up. It was, you know, they didn't date for very long. It was, you know, from everything I've read, it seemed pretty casual. Um, now Jennifer graduated college in 2003 with a finance degree and By early 2006, Jennifer was actually a finance manager at Central Florida Investments Timeshare Company, which is now called Westgate Resorts. Okay. So she's out of college. She's got a really good job at a financial place, and she buys her first a condo which is across the mall at millennia and it's actually the complex is called uh mosaic at millennia and it's in orlando wow she's doing really well for herself in three years yeah i know when i watched her story i'm like oh wow like i didn't even get my first apartment until i was like 24 but yeah i'm like she by all accounts is doing she really sounds like well she's got a great head on her shoulders yeah and honestly if you ever watch any videos from her family like she came from a very like good family very strong um you can tell that they really care about her they miss her obviously like any family that you watch but yeah when you when you see the presence that her parents and her brother bring to the table especially when it comes to the passion about trying to find jennifer you you kind of are like wow she you know, and then you look at everything she's accomplished, you just kind of sit back and you're like, wow, she, from the outside looking in, had everything going for her. Right. Um, and at that point, she had been dating a man named Rob. And Rob actually lived three hours away. He lives in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So there's a bit of a drive. It's, it's a long, I mean, that's a long distance relationship. So, um, and they've, yeah. So if any, for those listeners, like I said, outside of the U S where she's at in Orlando to where he's at in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, it's, I, what Google map says it's roughly three hours. I would imagine if you have a lead foot, you might be able to make it less (laughs) if there's construction, who knows? So Things are going good for Jennifer. Now, Jennifer's story starts on Wednesday, January 18th, 
2006. Jennifer would leave work and her home that afternoon and heads down to Rob's place in Fort Land Fort Lauderdale, excuse me. Because the following morning, the 19th, the couple is flying to St. Croix for a long holiday weekend with a friend and that friend's family. So Jennifer drives down. She leaves her car at Rob's place. They jet off to St. Croix. Now, while Jennifer is gone, her little brother Logan and two of his friends, um, they are going to use her condo. Okay. You know, typical little brother (laughs) or little younger sibling, like older siblings out, going to crash at the condo and bring uh, a couple friends and we'll get circle back into this later too. But it sounds like at the time there were some local establishments around her condo. So they had places to go. I mean, right. the mall was right across the, the street. Right they had there. things to go do. So yeah, little brother's staying at Jennifer's place and they go to St. Croix. Now, I'm not going to go into the names of the friends because one of them in a lot of like web sleuth and Reddit and true crime world, if you will, in some people's mind, one of these boys could potentially be a per or is a person of interest because one of the two friends is the ex-boyfriend we will get into all of this so just keep that in mind um but i'm not going to use their names you want to go find it you can it's out there i just don't want to like muddy waters so um Logan and his friends arrive at our condo. They stay the weekend. And during this time, one of Logan's friends accidentally, like when the trip's over, he accidentally left his cell phone at Jennifer's condo. Now, Jennifer and Rob are scheduled to take a flight back on January 21st, but it gets canceled and they get on a new flight from St. Croix to Miami for the next day, which is Sunday, January 22nd. Well, they get on that flight, they fly home and mind you, she's still three hours from her home. So she ends up staying at Rob's. They get a ride, get him back to her, you know, back to his place where her car is, his house, whatever. And she stays the night. Right. Very logical. Smart. It's depending on what time this flight was. I couldn't find anything that gave the flight info. Um, but I bet it was late. I would too. It's Sunday. So, and besides too, like you come back from a weekend long trip like that, you know, you're going to be exhausted. Do you really want to drive three hours? Like you might as well just sleep just it and then stay, drive. Yeah. yeah. So that's what she does on Monday, January 23rd, 2006, Jennifer would wake up early. She leaves Rob's house in Fort Lauderdale and she heads straight to work. Um, cause it's Monday vacations over. Uh, so she goes to work and remember it's roughly a three hour drive. So the day was normal by all accounts. Everything, nothing was out of the ordinary. And she wraps up the day, um, the end of the day with a meeting with her boss around 6 p.m. Uh, and they say, you know, they part ways and, you know, that's the last 
confirmed contact sighting of her yes so surveillance footage would show uh surveillance footage from a toll booth would show that jennifer did take her normal route home and like i stated in the case intro she would speak to several people she would speak to logan her brother to hash out the arrangements i'm assuming for the cell phone phone. because she hasn't been home yet so right She's got to get home, get the cell phone, figure all that out. I've read their differing accounts and I don't know. um, I can't, I haven't been able to find anything to definitively prove one way or another, whether or not she was going to mail the phone at work the following day, because I've read reports that there was like a shipping, you know, conversation well that her office had a shipping area that you could go and ship stuff out of so um it's never there's there's never been any clarification and we'll get into why that plays a role later but there's never been any clarification on where she was mailing the phone from but she calls her brother logan to talk about the plans for the phone I'm assuming they probably talked about her trip. Did anything happen with my house? How trashed is it? Like, you know, the normal. Typical sibling talk. Exactly. Now, Jennifer would then call her parents. And her mom is stated of saying that was a normal phone call. She was on cloud nine from this trip and just talking about all the things, you know, basically that she's in love. She had a great time telling them all about the, the details. Uh, and they've all said that it was, again, a normal, normal phone call. The last, and that would be the last time. That they would speak to her. Her parents, yeah, would hear her voice. Jennifer would also make a phone call to her best friend. Again, Coming off a vacation, you've been dating this man for a little over a year. Yeah, you gotta give you gotta give the scoop to. Gotta give the deets. You're meeting friends, and you know who knows if they know those friends. They obviously knew the friend, but do they know the friend's family? What's that dynamic? Like all the things. So she calls her best friend. They have you know conversation, and then she would end up calling her boyfriend Rob. Um, I think the exact time was 9.57, according to phone records. Now, she had, at the time, a landline and a, f- a cell phone. And the reports that I've read that her cell phone just had really spotty service in the actual unit of her condo. So she kept the landline. And so she had a landline. So from records of the landline, it's, a, it's around 10 p.m. It's like 9.50 something that she calls Rob. And this would be the last time Rob speaks with her. They spoke, Rob has said that they spoke for a while. The conversation did not end on like the highest of highs. Um, That Oh no. Jennifer, here's why. He has made it very clear that it wasn't like a full-blown argument. It was just like a normal little tiff you would have with After your you loved one. After you spend so many hours with somebody, you're well, just kind of I like... I think the... I don't want to say argument because I don't think it was an argument. I think, honestly, in my opinion, what it is, is because 
it is, I've seen states, like I've seen interviews from the family and from Rob that the distance was getting to her. Right. And I think that the more you're in a relationship with someone that's long-term, every time you go to say bye and you have to go back to your respective place, it gets a little bit harder. Yes. You get so a little I think bit more aggressive. She's coming <laughs> off this high of getting to spend several days with him. They're in St. Freaking Croy to going back to work. To nothing. Yeah. Really. So I think that, I don't think it was like, a, they, they didn't have a full-blown argument. I think it was just a probably feeling a little bit of insecurity, needing yeah. reassurance that I'm loved. Is this relationship so going to work? Are You know what I mean? Is this- I feel this on a very deep level right. because I, I do do the same thing too. Where right. you, and you're also just kind of picking fights at that point because you're like, right. we had such a great time. Now it's time for me to try to push your buttons. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now I'm going to annoy you. Um, so... I, like I said, I, I, a lot of, if you go down the rabbit hole of Jennifer's case, you will see and read and hear a lot of people in this true crime space, if you will, or that are web sleuthers, reddits, whatever question this, you know, but Rob has been so involved in her case from day one that I am like, I believe him. Like, he still has a relationship with her family. I think I believe him, too, just because I know what that quote-unquote argument would have been like. Right. Like, I've been in those shoes, so right. I'm like, this well, makes I, total sense. <laughs> right, and I think his actions also speak louder than words, and what he has done since her case, like, since she disappeared, it just shows, like, um... Okay, I don't think that yeah. he got in an argument and then mobbed three hours to like <laughs> do some. But yeah, anyway, so now I will say again, I've read varying reports on whether or not a this is true or if this happened a different night. But there is a report out there that while Jennifer was on the phone with Rob that she heard a knock on the door. I have also read that she was, this was a different night and she was actually on the phone with her friend. Either way, Jennifer to Rob's Rob has stated she didn't answer any doors or talk to anyone else when they were on the phone. So it is a theory because from the phone call with Rob to when she's supposed to be at work the next day is when something it's happened to her. Information. We do not know. Right. Now I'm just throwing it out there because it's another, you know, red herring, another wrench in this case that could be something or it may not. I don't know. Now, there's also a theory that Jennifer's ex-boyfriend, Logan, I'm sorry, Jennifer's brother's friend, Jennifer's ex-boyfriend, Logan's friend, was seen that same night at a bar across the street from her condo. Now, I should say, for people who have never heard this case, like Megan and all of you out there, her condo is not what I originally had in my head as a condo. It actually was apartment complexes that they converted into condos. And this was all going on while 
Jennifer was living there. She was one of the first people to buy this condo. And so it's a construction zone at the time. So when you say, when I hear condo, I think a little bit more like nicer neighborhood, a little more up and coming. But if they're converting these apartments, wait, no, they were apartments first, then condos. They're apartments that they're converting into condos. So So it's like a middle class area, I guess. My view of a condo is a house that is glued together to other houses. Really? I call that a townhome. Okay, townhome, condo, same thing. Real? Okay. okay. Right? Tomato? No. I don't know. What's the difference? Well, when I think condo, I think of like beach, Florida, condo. Oh. When I think townhome, I'm like Texas, Dallas, townhome. Like our version of like what's around here. These right. types of condos that are like cookie cutter glued yes. together. That's what I, I just assume condos and townhomes were the same thing. Maybe they're different in other areas. <laughs> Either way... Her home was a apartment unit at okay. one point. Wait, so we're talking multiple now. levels. And I believe I should know this. Um, I know, I don't believe that she lived on the bottom floor. I think she lived on the top. I think it was three units. But I'm honestly, I, I should know this and I don't. I apologize, but I'm sure it's out there. But either way, that's irrelevant. They're apartments, so it's people stacked on top of each other, but they're converting them. What the hell? I have tried to look. What does that mean? I would imagine renovating the insides, making access different. For I, 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 I'm not sure what all they were doing at her apartment, but there was a lot of construction people. People were moving out of the quote-unquote lease for the apartment, and then okay. when no one was moving in, they start renovating them and then they so were it was a selling slow turnover. them. Correct. Okay. And she, from everything I've read and heard and seen, she was one of like the first handful of people to actually purchase her condo. So she was a, a permanent resident there. But for the majority of the unit, it was like vacant. Does that make sense? Okay. So there wasn't a lot of people around. No. There were a lot of construction people. So right. that comes into play later. Now, eight seven thirty to around eight AM is the time that her parents had originally said that she would leave for work. They actually narrowed that down later to between seven thirty and seven forty five. I get it. I'm going to go 7.30 to 8 because, you know, I get it. But it, it is a window. But with that being said, her mom, Joyce, has stated that they never heard from anyone in the grounds of the condo that Jennifer was at or, like, where her car was parked. Like, no one ever reported hearing a scream or a disturbance or anything that morning. Okay. Doesn't mean anything, but no one, no one heard anything. So how the story goes, Jennifer goes to bed and then the mystery (laughs) starts. That's where everyone's conspiracy theories, because you've got people that say she could have been kidnapped at the door knock or at the night that night. And then you have people that think that she was leaving. Yes, I personally have wavered. I've followed this case for a very, very long time and I never thought like, I never thought I would cover it because I didn't think that she was necessarily 
in this space, but I will get into why later. But, um, personally, when do you think it happened? Oh, so I'll give you my, you give me yours and then I'll, I'll do mine with uh, no context. Okay. Okay. I won't tell you why I give you my reason. I think it was in the morning. Okay. I also thought it was in the morning. Okay. Uh, Now I know for sure. I don't know for sure. In my head, I know because I definitely (laughs) think this will We'll get into this later too, but things have come out that I'm like, mm, I'm pretty sure that this happened in the morning. So eight, 7.30 to 8 is around the time she leaves. No one hears anything. And Jennifer and Rob had like a routine every morning. Jennifer got up earlier than Rob. She would typically call him in the morning. How's it going? Good morning. Have a great day. Yada, yada. Or if she was running late, she would at least send a text. Rob, who happened to be running late the following morning as well, or well, I shouldn't say as well. Rob happened to be running late that morning and didn't like, I guess it didn't register. And then he thought it was odd. So on his way to work, he called Jennifer and I have read different reports, but it's unclear whether or not when he called, if it rang and then went to voicemail or if it just went Went to voicemail. voicemail. That is. I've, I've not been able to find that confirmed information anywhere, but he does try to call and he does get her voicemail. Um, in fact, Rob is quoted at a CNN interview saying Jennifer always woke up before me. She had to go to work before I did every day. So she would call me just to say good morning, have a great day, or just text me to wish me, you know, have a great day, love you, that type of thing. And when I didn't receive it Tuesday morning, I thought it was odd, but I was running a little late for work. So I called her on my way into work and just got her voicemail. Rob said this in an interview. So not really sure about whether or not, but Anyway, so by late morning on Tuesday, Jennifer was supposed to have a work meeting that morning. And by mid-morning when she wasn't around, Jennifer's boss actually calls Jennifer's father, which some might think is weird, but he's actually friends with Drew. So right, they probably have a good working relationship or something. Well, like that. I think... That Drew and Jennifer's boss, like, they have history. So he had his number. So he just called and was like, hey, what's up with Jennifer? And he's like, I don't know. Let me call her. I'll call you back. So that's when the entire ball starts. Dad starts calling. And at that point, the data said that it it was going straight to voicemail. Mom starts calling. Same thing. Then they start rallying basically the troops. Um, they all live in Florida, but they lived a couple hours away. So everyone starts mobbing to Jennifer's place. Now, while they're on the way there, um, they try to get the maintenance to go in and do like a wellness check. Um, her brother actually talked to the maintenance and was like, can you tell us if the car is there? Uh, they said the car wasn't there. They wouldn't originally go into the unit, but they did, um, with another, employee and the dad was on the phone and they didn't nothing was amiss she wasn't in there nothing so jennifer's brother logan gets there they call her mom and dad get there and they call the police and at first jennifer's disappearance isn't taken seriously and shocking right and when they find out about this little 
Tiff with Rob, it's a she's probably mad and just blowing off some steam. My God, I just rolled my eyes so hard. Nobody saw that. I saw that. (laughs) Um, Uh, Why? It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. So her family basically just takes control of the situation and they get action plans in place and they just start start doing stuff they're reaching out like the family reached out to you know her friends and her friends reach out to sorority the sorority is now involved they're calling the media they're creating posters and flyers like they're just doing like they just rallied the troops and started going to town like we're not waiting around for you like this isn't our daughter this isn't our friend this isn't how she behaves She didn't just run away. And this family has said a lot. They're very close. So it's very odd that her phone is now going to voicemail and she's not contacting anyone. That is abnormal behavior for her. Mm -hmm. And who better would know that than her family? So when you say that she's mad, yeah, no, we know her. That's not something, you know, it's just frustrating. The police need to listen more to... The people that know these people the best. Anyways. um, So by Thursday, two days after she vanished, Jennifer's car was located at the Huntington on the Green apartment complex, which is about 1.2 miles down the road from her condo slash millennia complex apartment thing that she's living in so her car is somewhere else Mm-hmm. so they never found her car like when her mom and her brother and everyone got there her car wasn't there okay they never they didn't know it they start blasting photos on the media and somebody calls in and says Hey, I think that car that you guys are looking for is at my apartment complex. It's been here for two days. A mile? One a point, mile? 1.2 miles away. Weird. Crazy, right? So then you think, okay, we have the car. Let's evaluate the car. There's an expensive DVD player in the car. Granted, I know this is like everyone's like DVD player. What? (laughs) This is 2006. She had a DVD player in there. Um, Some other random things. But there were valuables in the car and they weren't taken. So that's interesting. None of her, her, I think they call it a work attache or something. But like her work bag. Portfolio. All of her stuff. Her cell phone. The the friend's cell phone, her wallet, none of it's in there. It's okay, all it's gone. Right. That stuff's all gone, to my knowledge. Um, they may, I don't think they've like released the entire detail of what all was in the car. So obviously they have to protect the, well, I say this loosely, protect the integrity of the investigation. <laughs> we'll get into that later. So the police actually get a lucky break and they find surveillance video of a subject driving jennifer's car into the lot parking it and just walking away but not Ah, the video yes but not without seemingly missing every single angle that the camera would catch his face 
Now, I'm going to pause because if you have not seen this video, which this person has been dubbed the luckiest POI ever, which POI, if you don't know, stands for person of interest. So this particular individual is now dubbed the luckiest POI ever or the luckiest POI in history because go Google Jennifer Kessie POI (laughs) video and you will see what I'm talking about. And we are going to get into the details about this video right now. But he, you can see the person drive the car. Like you see the car driving in. It parks. I don't know which version you watch. There's a couple out there. Like some of them are cut. And then you can find like the full length where it shows the car. Then it shows them like walking. Yeah. And they're walking in front of a pool of another apartment complex and the pool is gated like with an iron wrought iron gate essentially and the way this person takes their strides and the time that the video is set to record like every so often it literally captures this person walking but the wrought iron poles are blocking Blocking any well you face you can't say he because there's well, a lot of questions about that he. video. <laughs> I I do as well, but there's a lot of people out there that's that and I get it. You can't really tell. Like a lot of people think that the POI could be a woman. A lot of people argue whether or not the POI has a hat on or if their hair is in a bun. A lot of people argue that their outfit is a painter's outfit. I was just thinking that. That's what I thought. First time I saw him, I was like, ah, he's a painter. Okay. Okay. My thing is, is the video isn't exactly like black and white. So how do we know what color those clothes? He's wearing Wranglers for sure. So I've never heard Wrangler Wranglers. The big thing on Reddit and Web Sleuths and all that is um, Dickies. Well, you can see the square pocket. So it's either Wranglers or Dickies. I think it's Wranglers. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you I've seen this video like 500 <laughs> times. And every time I watch it, I swear I see something different. It's what is it? It's the, it's the dress. Is it blue or gold? Oh, <laughs> 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 oh my gosh like the mandela effect like, no it is. is it looney tunes it or looney tune <laughs> whoa too far <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot if you want to pull this video back up and we can like talk about it the one thing i want to say about this though is i don't think it's a hat and i don't think it's a man bun no one so i have read anywhere has ever said this that i'm aware of this was the age of Polly D, guys, and Jersey Shore. Does anyone remember his hair? Oh, yeah. And the way, like, it looks to me is like it's, like, almost kind of mullet Like, it doesn't look like a man bun to me. It looks like Jersey Shore, Polly D hairstyle. I just thought it was looked a little unkept. Or that. I, I just, my thoughts are with couple things on why I think that one the time frame totally Jersey Shore in heart like that was the heart of Jersey Shore 2006 I mean I'm sad to say I've literally watched every episode um I'm a little too I'm a little too young for that really my age my age might be showing a little bit at this point (laughs) 
Um, Jim Tan Laundry. Uh, anyways, <laughs> so um, I just the hair reminds me of Polly D from from that era. Another reason why I I would venture to think that is you're in like. Florida, Miami area, that the styles down there. I mean, you're in Orlando, not necessarily Miami, but the style down there is pretty. It's, I just, I, if it's a younger person, I can see how they're going with the trends. It's a college, younger town. They're going to have more, um, they're going to be more apt to be up with the latest trends in fashion. And that, hairstyle was a major trend right in that time so outfit definitely a uniform i definitely he think has it is to be a painter or one of those guys that lays down that stuff when you're remodeling <laughs> that's so descriptive Cock- caulking yes but it's with the scraper thing and it's the ones that like texturizing. They, maybe I I don't know. But yeah, when like, they're dealing with that like white cocky yes, crap that's like it's yes, everywhere, like yes. glue and shit. Like when you're doing tile, and yes. I know what you're talking. Grout. I think grout. My I dad would be so disappointed. <laughs> like I think that's what he looks like to me. I definitely think it's a. I I wouldn't personally. I wouldn't narrow it down to it's a painter's outfit or it's a this. I think it's a construction outfit of sorts. It's a, right. an outfit that's going to get dirty. It's an outfit that you're. Or I've also seen and read that people think it could be scrubs. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> These Immediate, are all just the no. theories around it, but. <laughs> I, I do think you should go look at the video if you haven't. We obviously will have it on our blog and all of our social channels, but yeah. it's it's definitely a a sore subject if you get into some Reddit threads. Like people get very but Uh-oh. we're gonna be a Reddit thread. Right. Probably. <laughs> oh my god. Um I don't even like I know how to get on Reddit. I'm not like diverse enough. I, no, I know the basics, mm. but Anyways, so the other thing that's frustrating about this video is apparently like NASA tried to, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not really sure. I love that we can get photos like that are so amazingly clear of Mars, but like our own freaking surveillance photos, like record on sec every 10 <laughs> seconds and you're, you know, like Okay. If Six Flags and museum uh, amusement parks, excuse me, can get clear shots of people on rides, can we not get some better (laughs) surveillance video that's out there? Like when they're like this bank robbery happened. You can, but do they want to pay for it? That is true. (laughs) It circles back all the way to the money. Yeah. It's all about the money. Money, money, money. Anyways, so the clothing, I guess it's, it is hard to like definitively say whether it's this or that, whether it's a hat or if it's hair, um, it's just, it's really frustrating. And there's a million rabbit holes that have been talked about on this video, um, and I actually started listening to Unconcluded podcast um, about Jennifer's case, and they kind of go into it. Uh, True Crime Garage talks about some of those theories as well. Um, and then they do some deep dives into them. But like I said, I think it's more of like a Poly D hairstyle. 
Um, I just don't want to focus too much on that because right, right, right. I mean, I do because it's a major aspect of this case. Like it's an actual <laughs> but person. We could talk about this for an hour. Well, we could. <laughs> and I mean, I, I just, but there's no. not, there's not, there's, we won't, we don't know who the person is. That's the only right. thing. And so it's like, well, because of what we think the outfit might be, what like if we think it's a, a painter's outfit or if it's, you know, construction of sorts. I mean, I'm looking at this right now and I still am like, I, it doesn't look like a freaking hat. It doesn't look like a man bun to me. And I can't even definitively, like, I don't know where you're seeing a pocket that you can identify that these are dickies, like at all. Like, guys, <laughs> I don't see that. It's the fit. It's the style. Or not dickies, wranglers. I yeah. think they're dickies. Um, I mean, it's just, it's hard to tell because how do you, like his outfit or her outfit, I mean, there's some where they dark everything around and like lighten that up. The pants are definitely baggy on the person. That's, that's for sure. But when you look at the car that's in the background, it almost looks like the same color as the outfit. So how can we definitively say that that person is wearing a white pants with white, like white pants and shirt? If to me, when I, unless I'm colorblind, but when I look at these <laughs> images, they're not, they're black and white. Well, there is, this one is color. Hold on. I'm a liar. Well, there's like different phases of black different. and white. Well, I guess on this colored photo, it it could be white. It Like I said, you can go down some rabbit holes. It's just really frustrating. I definitely think when you're looking at the, the, the head of this person, it totally looks like a clear uh, uh, hairline on the back of their neck. Mm-hmm. Um. I just really hope that law enforcement took a look at this surveillance photo and was like, all right, well, this is what I think it is. So I think we should survey everybody that's been working at this apartment complex. My gosh, you are just so smart. You should go do a training with the freaking (laughs) Orlando Police Department. I am sorry. I understand that there's some good men and women on the force there. I we've said it before, but. The way this case was handled was a flat out freaking joke. And that was not done. They talked to (laughs) a few people, but by the next couple days, a majority of the workers fled because a majority of them were undocumented undocumented workers, Mm -hmm. illegal workers, whatever you want to call it. So... The media's there. We've got sorority sisters galore. You've got friends and family and the outlets for the media. I mean, it's a it's a frenzy. It's there's a lot of people. There's a lot of chaos. There's things going on. So, unfortunately, a lot of those workers just disappeared. Now, I do think that the Orlando police had a list of some people, but they never followed up with them. And we will regroup on that um as we go but uh like i stated earlier the there's a lot of different theories on this case and i'm trying to highlight the most 
popular ones because I imagine people are listening. If anyone's already heard this case, they don't want to hear the same information. I'm more focused on the the couple of theories that I think might have happened to her. Right. So just to like kind of catch us up to like where we are now. Um, there's obvious theories that her ex-boyfriend was involved and that he was uh, seen at a bar the night before. Um, there's the other big theory is that someone within the apartment complex, whether it was a maintenance or construction worker, um, had something to do with her disappearance. Now, I will say Jennifer was uneasy a- around them. And anytime they had to come in and fix the last few items on her unit, she would always have someone on the phone with her, which I do the exact same thing. So. Right. And I honestly prop something in the door or I stand in the doorway while they're at my house. Um, so that I totally understand. But also Jennifer had expressed to her mom that these people were catcalling her, you know, making comments when she was walking to her car. So she just was a little uncomfortable. So a lot of people think that um, someone went in the construction workers within the apartment had something to do with it. Also a master set of keys to the unit would disappear. And her father has been quoted of saying that, you know, it kills him that they were, they had talked about changing her locks, but she, they had decided that they would wait until all of the last minute things that needed to be done on her unit were done and then she would change them and her dad i'm sure that just kills him wow yeah it's really it's really sad so this is kind of the rundown of after jennifer went missing her case pretty much just went cold um And her family has been extremely vocal about the lack thereof of like a lack of an investigation from the Orlando Police Department. It's been turned over from detective to detective. And then there was like a long period where they didn't even know if anyone was even working on the case. Now, in 2016, her family had her legally declared dead, which I understand. It's been 10 years, and there's a lot of people don't realize this, but unfortunately, it's not realistic to keep someone alive if you don't have any proof. And right. and from a, from a legality standpoint, she owned her condo. Parents can't do anything if they don't get her declared legally dead. You know what I mean? Like there's her finances, her, all of those things. Like you, it's difficult if you don't have a death certificate. And I'm sure that had to have been extremely hard to finally be like, okay, we have to, we have to move forward in this avenue because of X, Y, Z, whether it was her condo, her finances, who knows? Well, I just got stuck on that fact that, (laughs) It's not funny, but they've been paying for this condo for 10 years since she... That I don't... Hasn't been there? 
I don't know the answer to that question. They seem like smart people. Right. I do know that after her disappearance, um, her parents and Rob stayed at the condo. Her parents stayed there for a while. Um, it was kind of like central, ground mm-hmm. central for... I just got stuck on that. I was like, wow. That well, seems- her parents seem like smart people. If they did keep the condo, I would imagine that... They rented it out. Now, I don't know if she co-signed with her dad, then they would be able to sell it. I, I don't know. I don't mind. Like, yeah, right. I don't know all the details, but I do know like when someone dies, like if you're trying to do anything with their assets, you have to have a death certificate in the United yeah, States. You like do. you can't do anything unless you have power of attorney, which why would her parents have power of attorney when she was alive and well? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I get why they declared her legally dead in December of 2018, the family filed a civil suit against the Orlando Police Department in an effort to basically get access to her money. They weren't, or I'm sorry, get access to her case files. They were not suing the Orlando Police Department for money. They were suing them to basically hand over all of all of the records. You're not investigating it. You don't have an active, like, it's not an active investigation. You don't have a detective on the case. Give, like, give just us the give case. It, just give us this. And in November of 2019, the family stated on the Jennifer Kessie page that they were basically given access to the files but not without having to pay for copying fees and all this other crap to the tune of like 50 grand or something insane um but whether or not they received all of the documents that's still kind of up in the air um Hmm. yeah so basically by 2019, the family is the only people searching for Jennifer. Um, so what happened to the case after they declared her legally dead? Well, even before they declared her legally dead, like the case was kind of dead in they the water. Yeah, there was, I should say, I mean, I didn't get into this, but sent dogs, traced her, sent, but it didn't really lead anywhere. It kind of just trailed off at the apartment. So... Mm. Um, there wasn't really any like investigation on that standpoint. There was no blood in the car, um, nothing like that. Now, once the family got possession of said investigation file, um, the dad or the mom, somebody noticed that one of the photos of Jennifer's car looks like there was a struggle on the hood and I just learned of this a couple years ago and I'm like what and so I looked up some photos that had surfaced and it does mind you she just drove a six hour round trip down several days before she drove three hours down and then once she got back from St. Croix she drove right and it's been sitting. And it, so it's going to be dirty. It's going to have dust and, and all the things on it. And if you look at the photo, it looks like somebody is, it, their hands, it almost looks like someone was slammed on the hood and then maybe dragged off of it. Like, it's not a straight outline of a body, but when you look at it, you're kind of like, I mean, I can see how it would look like a body. So 
now there's this that changed the theory that she might have gotten kidnapped on her way to, to her the car in the morning. Right. Which a lot of people already kind of, you yeah. know, believed. Yeah, that's what I think. Right. So by August of 2020, the dad posted on the page that um, they were progressing in a positive manner on the investigation side, but that they couldn't really share the investigation at this point. Um, they were trying to filter through people that they either the Orlando police spoke to or they had notes of someone, but they never actually spoke to. So they're trying to clarify, like, who needs following up on, who doesn't. They're going through a mountain of information. So it's going to be, and they're they're doing it all. They've hired a private investigator. They're the ones doing it all. So that was in August of 2020. And in January of 2021, the family stated that um, they're close, quote unquote, close to answers in this at the time 15 year old case i said quote her dad we are making a lot of headway and we're closer than ever to bringing jennifer home so that's kind of the rundown of her story uh what's any questions the headway? So what's the headway you can't leave me like that headway like they're close what does that mean what do they oh find? i know i know well unfortunately with keeping integrity of an investigation and they have to be even more on that bandwagon because they're doing this on their own it's like their own homegrown investigation i just want to know i know i know um the dad actually there was a lengthy q a that he like wrote on and it's out there on the world wide web. And he talks about some of this, like, you know, we don't have the phone records. She like, he'll answer some questions and there's some that he's like, can't answer that at this time. And I'm like, Oh, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I know. Right. Well, just to me, that makes me think like you must have something, but leading up to where we are now, do you have any questions? I don't think so. Okay. I do, what, maybe one clarification the brother and his friends that were at her condo for the weekend mm -hmm. was that one of was that her one of her exes yes okay right and he was supposed to go home because his is this the same one that lost his phone no i think the other friend so it was okay. Logan and two friends. Right. Logan is her brother. One of her friend, one of the friends was her ex-boyfriend. It was the third person Who that, his phone. from my understanding, yes. Okay. Okay. That okay. makes more sense that they were talking about mailing the phone. Cause I was like, yeah. but he didn't leave the area. Right. No, no. <laughs> wrong, wrong guy. The okay. other one. So I think we actually are going to have our first two-parter. So, because um, the theories I have for this, um, yeah, we're going to have to get into that. So, and now it's time for our weekly spotlights. First, we have Erin Pospisil. She has been missing from Cedar Rapids, Iowa since June 3rd, 2001. Erin was 15 at the time of her disappearance. She has a small scar above her left eye. She is described as a white female, 5 feet, 3 inches tall, and has brown eyes and natural brown hair. She was 125 at the time of her disappearance. 
Anyone with information is asked to call NCMEC at 1-800-THE-LOST. Second, we have Deja Gleason, missing since July 13, 2006, from Thornton, Colorado. Deja was 13 at the time of her disappearance. She is described as a white female, brown eyes, brown hair, and was 140 pounds at the time of her disappearance. Anyone with information is asked to call the Thornton Police Department at 1-720-977-5150 or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Kids at 1-800-843-5678. And last, we have Shamar Anthony Holmes. He has been missing since June 17, 2022, from Waldorf, Maryland. Shamar was 22 at the time of his disappearance and is described as an African-American male, 6 feet, 6 inches tall, black hair, brown eyes, and was 170 pounds at the time of his disappearance. Anyone with information is asked to contact the Charles County Sheriff's Office at 301-932-2222 or the BAMFI at 877-97-BAMFI. Before we go, I do just want to say thanks to everyone for listening and that if you have a case from your country or you know of a human trafficking story that we should cover, please send those to us at info at lastword.com. This isn't a crime that just happens in random places to random people. It happens everywhere all over the world. So the likelihood of it happening in a town near you is pretty strong if you just open your eyes and look around. So Be on the lookout with that. Send us anything you've got. Like, share, comment on all the social channels. And until then, guys, uh, we will be back tomorrow. And I promise I will continue to be loud about the crimes of exploitation, bold in my actions against it, and out there with my awareness through fashion. My hope is that you as well will be loud in your convictions, bold in your actions, and out there making a change. Stay vigilant, be aware, and remember what the world needs now is love is love not hate any last words megan no see y'all on the other side